right, everybody, welcome to episode number 60 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Now, Chris, I'm certain you've noticed that lackluster opening on my part, but bud, I can't help it. I'm sitting in a room that is literally 3,004 degrees, pal, so I don't know what else to tell you. I am just not feeling this tonight, and my good mood is sinking like the Titanic, bud. I hear you, man, because uh, I'm also sitting in a pool of my own sweat. This is not the first day that it's been just insanely hot. This is, what, day three now I think we're in, and a couple more days left. And, you know, you hear the heat going all over the West Coast. First of all, I'm sorry, if you live in the West Coast, if you haven't gotten the picture by now, you got to get the hell out of there. I I mean, between the droughts, the floods, the wildfires, it's just... It's, a, it's an apocalypse out there. Bro, I, I don't understand how people live in the South, and people just, they love this shit. Like, I, I got into a little bit of an argument with an old lady at the uh, fruit stand the other night, and she was like, she was saying how much she loves the heat, and she goes, oh, don't you like it? And I, I couldn't just be polite and, and, and agree with her in passing. I, I just couldn't. I go, no, it's not really for me. She goes, well, what do you mean? I go, I, I don't like it. She goes, well, you'd rather be cold? I go, absolutely, 100%. And she just walked away from me. Without saying goodbye or anything. Yeah, she was irritated. Well, then go live in fucking Florida. Yeah. We live in the Northeast. I, this, this is what really gets under my skin. When when we get winters here and they're cold like they're supposed to be, and people are like, oh, this, I, I freaking hate shoveling. I hate the snow. I hate this. Well, why did you live in an area where we have four seasons? There's snow. There's snow every year. That's what's supposed to happen. No, go move to Florida. I got to tell you, dude, one of my biggest pet peeves and one of the things, aside from politics, that acted as a catalyst of me getting off of Facebook was the weather posts. You know, like when, when you know, everybody posts when they get into their car and it's cold and they, they, they post the temperature on, <laughs> on, on a dashboard. Like we're all going through the same shit or the, a picture of the snow outside. We're all doing the same shit. We all fucking know. I, I don't need to see it and I don't need to get more aggravated by the second. It's very hard for people to just live their lives without, uh, you know, having everyone live it with them. Oh, it's just bullshit. Like, I, I saw somebody post something the other day on Instagram, and apparently this guy <laughs> this guy was supposed to be going through a hard time, right? And he was, like, kind of looking out the window, like, um, a very melancholy type uh, look. You know, like, he was very sad about something. So, anyway, this guy is just sitting there in his car looking out the window and saying, like, going through a rough time. But it's like, who took the fucking picture? You took the picture yourself, and how hard of a time could you have been going through if you felt the need to take a picture of yourself and then post a, a whole dramatic thing behind it? The only time that that is acceptable if, is if you're if you're joking and, yeah. and you're just to get a laugh out of somebody. Like outside of that, yeah. I... Social media has ruined this world. It has. I, I don't care what anybody said. It has ruined everything. Let's skip all the bullshit. We don't like social media. We don't like anybody with their opinions. They don't like our opinions. We don't care anymore. And let's get into this. Let's get into tonight's episode. Tonight, Chris, we are discussing the bizarre 2011 deaths of over 4,000 red wing blackbirds that spontaneously fell from the sky over the beautiful town of BB, Arkansas. Surprisingly enough, I had never heard about this. And maybe it was due to the fact that 
it happened over a decade ago, but you would think that <laughs> an event such as this would be um, not only worldwide news, but would continue to make the uh, headlines even years after the event took place. It was roughly 4,000, and there are some estimates that it was up to 5,000 Red Wing Blackbirds that plummeted from the sky on New Year's Eve of 2010 going into New Year's Day of 2011. Have you ever heard of this before? I have not heard of it before, but and there's some movies that kind of do this where, you know, if the house is haunted or there's some sort of, um, you know, something off with the, with the house, demonic possession, whatever, that it's like an omen or something that the birds are like drawn to and they like crash into the windows and, you know, drop dead and stuff. There's a couple movies that do it, I think. I actually think one of them is The Conjuring. One of The Conjuring movies, maybe? The most famous one is Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, birds, right? The Birds or some shit? Is that when they just start, like, attacking? Yeah, they're like, they're, like, they're just, yeah, there's swarms of them everywhere and start going nuts. Right, right. And, and then I think there's one, Dark Skies. I think that's the alien, um, that one, with, like, about alien abductions and stuff. But, like, that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think about birds crashing into houses or, like, dropping dead on a property. But I've... Aside from when, do you remember when the West Nile virus was a huge thing? Yes. And there was like all these dead crows and stuff. Like it was all like blackbirds, dark, dark colored birds, because apparently mosquitoes were whatever, attracted to their color or something. And they were like finding them dead all over the place because of, uh, they were getting bit and getting the virus or whatever and dying. But this is much more bizarre because it's not like over a span of like the summer or something. This is like all in one moment, all in one day, or actually over a couple days, because we'll find out that the birds are not the only thing that end up dying in mass nearby. We'll find out that there's also some, another phenomenon that happens. And not only that, Chris, what makes this all the more interesting, and we're going to get into this down the road, on New Year's Day in 2012, exactly one year later, the same thing happened. Dead blackbirds were falling from the sky. Two years in a row, pal. Two years in a row. So it wasn't a one-time occurrence. It happened twice in the same town. But my only question is, were they singing in the dead of night? That is a very good question, Chris, and I think we know someone who has the answer. So I guess the answer is yes. Unfortunately, there will be no flying for them uh, after that night. What an astute observation, Chris. <laughs> All right, but the heat is officially getting unbearable in this room, Chris, so we have to dive right into this episode. So, uh, Bud, let's do it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, BB Arkansas. Why don't you shoot us a few facts about old BB? Sure, Bill. Uh, thanks for asking. Uh, I, there's not too much. It's a very small town of uh, about 7,000 people. One thing that will come into play is the Arkansas River, which is about 125 miles to the west, which is where the other phenomenon occurs, which we'll get into uh, shortly. Now, Chris, I'm going off script for a minute. Would you mind if I revealed what the second phenomena is that we've been referring to? Not at all. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. Thanks for your permission there. Uh, What we were referring to... Uh, what took place a couple days after the roughly four to 5,000 red-winged blackbirds fell from the sky in BB, Arkansas. 
as Chris was alluding to, 125 miles to the west is the Arkansas River. And it was in that very Arkansas River that uh, another mass death took place. And this, this one was a tad bit larger. This one was the death of 83,000 drumfish. That's right, folks. 83,000 drumfish washed ashore along the coast of the Arkansas River a mere few days after the red-winged blackbirds plummeted from the sky in Beebe, Arkansas. So we have the town of Beebe with the dead birds, and then I believe we're in the town of Ozark along the Arkansas River where we had 83,000 dead fish. So, Chris, riddle me that. How are we supposed to just take both of these uh, mass deaths and not uh, come to any conclusion that would be somewhat uh, suspicious. So, of course, there was some suspicion, and and this was investigated pretty thoroughly by the locals, and what they found was that, you know, the birds or the fish were not appear, had not appeared to be poisoned in any way. But what was found was that the birds went through trauma. So whether it be blunt trauma or something like that, there was internal hemorrhaging. So you can imagine that what caused that was an impact uh, is, is probably how the birds died. Now, how or what caused the birds to basically move in such a large number uh, and then for all of them to die is the question. So some birds, and obviously blackbirds, you know, like they sometimes can travel in very large groups. And, and these particular birds, apparently in this area where they're known to roost, right? Uh, very large numbers of them, especially in the wintertime. Especially in this area, birds tend to roost in very large groups, whether they be doing it for uh, warmth or protection from the elements or protection from predators. But, you know, what's interesting is I actually watched a video on when I was researching this, on blackbirds in Arkansas, specifically BB Arkansas. And one guy was out one night, and he was out observing the birds in the early evening, and he was filming these blackbirds, and the flocks that were in the sky, dude, they literally turned the sky black. That's how many were. I mean, it looked like there were, honest to God, hundreds of thousands, <laughs> if not millions. I've never seen a flock of birds with so many individual birds inside the damn thing. Apparently, blackbirds in particular like to congregate for, I guess, food and protection, as you're mentioning, where they're, this, this particular roosting site must be a good site for them to find protection from predators. It's just insane, though. Like, like you said, like such a large number to, to the point where it's like the sky turns black. That actually makes sense into what the experts deem as a reason that this happened with these four to 5,000 estimated, estimated number. It might have been more. One guy made the point saying that you know, with there being so many birds in these flocks, four to 5,000 is not that big of a number considering the large mass that's up in the sky. And as you were alluding to, Chris, they are blaming this particular phenomenon on blunt force trauma. Now, and it was obvious that the birds did indeed suffer from blunt force trauma from the pictures. You know, they were the broken wings, broken legs, broken necks. And some of the explanations as far as the blunt force trauma goes, you know, they, they range from there being a storm that night, whether it be lightning or thunder that had startled the birds when they were roosting and causing an uproar and confusion and whatnot. They took off out of their roosting spot and just began smashing into each other, smashing into buildings, trees and whatnot, in turn just uh, falling to their deaths. Now, 
That's one explanation. The other explanation is, and remember, we said this happened on New Year's Eve 2010 going into New Year's Day 2011. And this is very interesting, though. One of the conclusions from the Southeastern Cooperative Wildlife Disease Study says that they believe that this was the result of fireworks taking place on New Year's Eve. That would make sense, right? You're thinking about these large explosive fireworks, lights in the skies, especially when these birds are in such a vulnerable position and they're obviously not expecting it. So you could see how, you know, that roost would begin just scattering everywhere. And with the immense amount of birds, they're probably crashing into each other at a high rate of speed and then either breaking their necks, breaking their wings and plummeting. That would make sense. Here's the odd thing, Chris. Many of the residents of BB Arkansas said that there were no fireworks on that beautiful New Year's Eve evening. While that is definitely a possibility, I would say, for sure, let's go back to the thunderstorm possibility. Now, apparently, now we're also talking about December 31st into early January, and you're thinking, thunderstorms? What the hell? It's wintertime. We are in Arkansas, and it's not like we're in Southern California, I guess, or, or Florida, where you'd expect thunderstorms to be that time of year. But back in 2001, there was lightning that apparently killed ducks at hot springs, and apparently hail knocked birds from the sky at Stuttgart in 1973 on the day before hunting season. So I guess that's just a way of saying that basically it wasn't from hunters or someone shooting them down, but... If you imagine these birds being, by the thousands, roosting together, one noise, let's just call it a very loud thunderclap, let's just say that that did startle them out. Now, if they're startled out of their protective roosting at this point, roosting area, now they're subject to the elements. So if there was hail or if they... This seems like a rare thing, but if you're startling blackbirds out into a very bad thunderstorm and they either get up into the updraft of the storm. Wind obviously plays a big factor for a bird. So in a bad storm, updrafts can be very high, like over 60 miles per hour. So whether that happened or a lightning strike, lightning strike seems a little crazy to me. To me, I would say without a doubt, these things were startled to cause them to, to crash or something. But what what was it exactly, I guess? I'm going to quote a zoology professor. This uh, professor here has a French name, so let me see if I can pronounce it. Dr. Guthrow. He is a zoology professor and the creator of Clemson University's Radar Ornithology Laboratory. Now, get this. Old Dr. G has a little bit of a problem with the uh, bad weather theory because his radar claims that uh, there were no reports of severe weather over that area near the roost at that time. But get this, Chris. The roost was so large that it was visible in the radar display images. This is an exact quote for him. There is no question that the exodus of birds from the roost is visible in the radar display images. And he goes on to say that and I quote again, the first exodus occurred about 10.20 p.m., so that would be on New Year's Eve of 2010, and contained approximately six to 7,000 birds per cubic kilometer. Dude, so just think about how many that is. And then at 11.21, another pulse of birds with a slightly smaller density left the roost. So we're talking about six to 7,000 birds leaving the first time, and probably... 
you know, that four to 5,000 estimated birds leaving in that second exodus. So if we're looking at this, we're talking about over 10,000 birds, right? I would assume maybe, who knows, maybe even more. I, I don't know how many, like they congregate in very large numbers sometimes. So. But 10,000? I mean, that that goes back to the video I watched. I mean, there were so many, dude. And think about how crazy the size had to be for this to show up on a radar. Can you imagine you're out walking your dog and 10,000 birds just fly no, right into you? That, that would freak me out. That would freak me out. And unfortunately, I <laughs> I might have to well, run the other way and leave my man Duke to fend for himself. <laughs> Getting hit in the back of the head with a fucking bird. <laughs> So interesting, though, because he's got two separate events then. Yeah, you're right. And taking place within one hour of each other. That's kind of odd, too, right? So if something startled them, which we all seem to agree on, one took off at 1020, and that group was obviously startled. But why was the other half of it not? You know, or did they come from a different location? Were they miles apart, or were they all roosting in the same exact area? Because that second group took off at approximately 1121 p.m., an hour after the first group. Obviously, if Dr. G is saying that there was no sign of lightning or thunder or or any kind of uh, crazy weather on the radar, it leads me to believe that it indeed had to be the other theory of fireworks. But what strikes me odd is that the residents said that they didn't notice anything. For, for two separate events to occur, we're talking about either can be a possibility still. Someone could have set off a firework one hour apart to cause both of the flocks to take off or they could have been both from thunder but you know the only thing we're saying that discounts that is that he does not catch any of that on the radar i'm not sure exactly how accurate that could possibly be in terms of if he can pick up the birds on the radar what's to say that it's not a storm that he's picking up i don't know i'm just i mean well yeah that's a good point chris we're putting an awful lot of trust in old dr g here and we we don't even know him to be honest with so uh, we'll, we'll see what he has to say uh, for himself uh, when I call him to interview him. Uh, but but it, it does seem uh, odd, too, because, uh, you know, people in the area, wouldn't you think that they would report that there was a large storm passing through that night and, and, and nobody had reported that? So he might be on to something here. You know, on New Year's Eve, do you think of fireworks? I, I don't think of a fireworks display on New Year's Eve. You know, that, that's to me, it's solely for like the 4th of July. I don't normally either, but I have heard them go off before New Year's Eve. And, and, and fireworks are typically a very big thing on New Year's Eve on TV. You know, they're, they're all over the world. All different countries are setting off fireworks. True, true. In Australia. Yes, I've seen that. The point I was making, I, just, I don't typically think of fireworks on uh, New Year's Eve. Apparently, the, the good people of BB uh, think otherwise. It was upon review at the end of January that it was ruled by three different commissions that it was due to the blunt force trauma, as uh, we were talking about. More specifically, they believe it was the fireworks. And those three commissions that we were speaking of were, as I mentioned, the uh, Southeastern Cooperative Wildlife Disease Study before. They agreed with the findings of the Arkansas Livestock and Poultry Commission and the U.S. Geological Survey's National Wildlife Health Center. So you got all three of these agencies here agreeing on the fact that something startled these birds and it led to uh, them falling from the sky. But two interesting things that I find with this is that, you know, there are no high-rise buildings in BB. The only thing that I can imagine causing the blunt force trauma would be 
the birds crashing into each other at a very high rate of speed or you know like or were they crashing into the trees and whatnot I, I could see that it leads me to believe too that these birds were so confused that they were basically just kamikaze diving into people's roofs it's possible and you're talking about a flock of birds at night where they clearly cannot see anything. We're also talking about very fragile animals here, right? So if they even got up to maybe half the speed, probably not even, if you're doing a head-on direct hit and they break their neck, that's it. It's over. I mean, think of how many birds die just from crashing into windows Oh yeah, uh, because they, they think the reflection is the woods or whatever. And if they hit head first, you know, they, they break their neck and they die. So they wouldn't even have to be traveling that fast, I don't think. Well, like, as I said before, you know, there was some other suspicion here, and we'll go through some of them. Uh, one was, as I mentioned before, you know, you have these large number of blackbirds. And, you know, you also have an area that depends on agriculture. And the blackbirds themselves can be a huge pest to these farmers, right? One could think somebody attempted to poison all these blackbirds and maybe that coinciding with the fireworks that were taking place that night might have been a good time to attempt to poison uh, the aforementioned blackbird. Upon further review in the study of those three agencies that I mentioned before, they found no poisons or toxins in the birds' bodies. So that's an interesting point that you mentioned, and one of the things I was hoping was that this was not an intentional disturbance that caused the birds to, to flock and, and eventually plummet to their death. But we know that this happened again. Yes, we mentioned that in the beginning, Chris. It happened on New Year's Eve the following year. New Year's Eve of 2011 and New Year's Day of 2012. That is something to keep in mind because... Coincidence? I would say probably not because, I mean, not to say that the chances of there being a thund thunderstorms on both those days are not like a huge, it's not like a rare thing. The chances of fireworks being shot off on the New Year's Eve in the same place are much better, I would say. And if someone was a disgruntled farmer, like you mentioned, if there were an issue of some sort, but we are talking about the winter here, so I'm not sure what crops... I mean, I could speak from experience in terms of being a grower, not in Arkansas, that birds, typically in the winter, will feed on you know high-fat things like seeds, and seeds are a very important part of their diet. So if a farmer was planting seed, to say a cover crop of some sort, or had seeds stored or something and they could be a nuisance if they were flying on the the fields and eating all the seed up so we can't speak to that for sure obviously because we don't know in the area who's farming or what's being farmed or if there's even seeds out but that is a possibility and we always like to look at this from every angle so perhaps this was an intentional act allow me to say it once again chris if you don't mind what an astute observation well, thanks, Bill, but uh, I think I'd say you gave me the idea. <laughs> well, I had no idea about seed covering. That's a very interesting point. But we're going to trust these agencies and say that they found no foul play involved. So we're going to say, you know, the blunt force trauma, whether it be from bad weather, thunder, lightning, whatnot, or the fireworks, we don't know, but these birds were obviously startled. But the interesting thing here is that it happened two years in a row. So that's very odd. Another little piece of uh, information that we should mention is that the police banned fireworks that following year. 
due to the bird death. So they obviously believe that that was the cause. And who knows, maybe there was an asshole out there trying it again. I mean, all it would take, I would think, is one M80 being lit close enough to the roost and you'd have the same results. Right, and it would, you know, unless someone's patrolling, which I doubt anyone would be patrolling the area. Patrolling a bird roost <laughs> on New Year's <laughs> Eve in BB, Arkansas. Imagine that detail as a cop. <clears throat> so I think that second phenomenon can be explained, um, but, I mean, it is a little odd. I'll, I'll give you that. So let's leave 2012 alone and go back to 2011, because remember we said after that blackbird freefall from the sky, a few days later, Chris, just 125 miles to the west, they found 83,000 dead drumfish. There are some people that believe that this was the a sign of uh, the world coming to an end. Now, I don't know about that, but uh, I can definitely see how people in the area could be freaked out with uh, all these deaths going on around them. Obviously, the big difference between fish dying and birds dying is these fish are not likely to be killed by the sound of a firework. So you're not talking about fish crashing into each other and floating to the surface. At least, I don't think that's a possibility. Unless someone was throwing explosives in the water, which is not impossible thought, then what would cause 83,000 fish to just suddenly die? Again, with such a large number of fish being killed here, they do test the fish for viruses or poisoning of that sort, and I believe they don't find anything remotely suspicious that would have caused the deaths of all those fish. Well, that led me to look into it. And believe it or not, there's a term called fish kill. Not the town uh, close by to us, but the actual <laughs> term fish kill also known as a fish die-off. And uh, I'm going to read this definition to you because it refers to a localized die-off of fish population, which may also be associated with more generalized mortality of aquatic life. The most common cause is reduced oxygen in the water, which in turn may be due to the factors such as drought, algae bloom, overpopulation, or sustained increase of water temperature. And it could also be due to infectious diseases, and uh, parasites. But as you said, uh, it was reviewed and they found no disease or parasites inside these fish. So it could just simply be an overpopulation of the drumfish. From everything I've looked up, there seems to be no shortage of drumfish in the Arkansas area to this day. So we can look at that as most likely being the cause of overpopulation, I would guess, right? Because 83,000 is nothing to shake a stick at. Now, I should mention, of course, we are saying that there was... Uh, no toxicity or bacterial evidence found in a dead fish, but some of the results were inconclusive and, you know, they did not find an exact reason. So our thinking here is that if there was bacteria or some form of toxicity, that that would have easily come up in the testing. At least I think it would have shown itself. Well, my other question is, because you mentioned how oxygen depletion could happen, which apparently tends to happen in the summertime, which clearly it's not the summer. So I would rule out that part. And then the other potential cause of death could be, in the winter anyway, could be a drastic fluctuation between cold and warm weather that could cause like a shock and kill the fish. So without, I guess, really knowing what the temperatures were, to me, at least if that was a suspicion, that they would have mentioned that. 
But they're just merely saying that this could be a way that, that the fish could have died. Well, now, can, can I just hit you with this little uh, tidbit? Uh, there is one more explanation as to why fish kills happen. Brace yourself, bud. Underwater explosions. That's right. Underwater explosions can lead to a fish kill. Sometimes underwater explosions are used on purpose to induce fish kills. A generally illegal practice known as blast fishing. Now, call me crazy. That would tie in nice to the firework theory. Though it is days apart, maybe there was a group of assholes running around that said, hey, we want to uh, do something a little memorable or a little douchebaggish, I should say. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just another uh, way to look at this because to this day, we still do not know. Now, Chris, before we get into what we believe happened, I should mention one bizarre little uh, coincidence, bud. And... This took place in 2011, too, and not only 2011, January of 2011. So, to coincide with the four to 5,000 bird deaths in Arkansas, we come to find out that there were quite a few more blackbirds that died, approximately 500, that were scattered through Louisiana and Kentucky in roughly the same week. Perhaps we had uh, another roost that was uh, disturbed by something and uh, cause of death, but it is very odd that this all took place within a matter of days. Am I right, Chris? Well, I suppose this would lead to the next question, is how often do these events occur? Now, if they do, apparently they're not being reported very much, or we're just not seeing it, just like we didn't see this one. It would appear to me that Perhaps this could happen frequently, but not on the scale that we're seeing it, I, I would say. So, yeah, there have been other cases reported of mass deaths uh, of birds, but not on a level of four to 5,000, you know, a couple hundred and whatnot, and uh, some as close to us as uh, Pennsylvania. So, I mean, yes, this is a bizarre phenomenon, especially with the number of birds that uh, fell from the sky that fateful evening. But... Um, it doesn't seem to be as rare as we think. So uh, with all that said, Chris, I think it's time we give uh, our thoughts on it. And initially, when I heard about this story, I'm like, there is no way that uh, this was just due to an explosion or fireworks or a storm or whatnot. I thought instantly, foul play. Someone poisoned these birds as some sick, twisted Way to make a headline. Now, uh, reading into this and all this information that we have here, I am... God, I'm going to say, Chris, that uh, I agree with these agencies. I, I seem to think that this was uh, birds being startled. And the fact that the people in the town of BB did not see fireworks in the sky leads me to believe that it was a couple of jerks setting off M80s in a field, and uh, it startled this roost that maybe they did not know was there. The roosts took off in the air, mass confusion everywhere, banging into each other, plummeting into houses, banging into trees, who the hell knows, breaking their necks and their wings, legs in the process, and then plummeting to their deaths. I mean, that's the only thing that uh, I could think of. 
And as far as the 83,000 fish, uh, I don't know what to believe on that one, Chris. Uh, you know, we do know that there is a possibility of a fish kill, but 83,000 seems to be a very large number of fish to <laughs> succumb on the same fateful day. Uh, so, I mean, we did look into the fact that there could have been an underwater explosion, but, you know, who knows? Maybe somebody was lighting off M80s or something around that Arkansas River as well and startled the fish and, you know, they died from shock or whatever. Who knows? What says you? I think the death of the birds was caused by somebody setting off fireworks. Fireworks don't necessarily need to be seen for them to occur. Not all fireworks are the kinds that shoot up in the air and makes lovely colors and sparkly and blah, blah, blah. I believe that it was done by something like you mentioned, like perhaps an M80 where it would just be a, you know, a short, very loud blast. And I believe that the following year it could have been intentional because of perhaps people locally, kids or something hearing about it and thinking they'd get a good laugh and do it the oh, next year. Very, very good observation. I didn't even think about that. I think you're absolutely right. There's always a copycat asshole out there. Always. 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 And there's a special place in hell for those that uh, intentionally harm defenseless animals. So those people uh, hopefully uh, get the worst kind of karma coming their way. I've gotten so bad with that, especially as I get older, that I'm to the point now where I'm capturing spiders in my house and releasing them. I'm not virtue signaling here. That I, I'm really doing it. I, I just, <laughs> like, if I see a beetle drowning in the little pool I have here for the kids, bro, I go and grab that net and swoop that thing up quick. I, I, I don't know what it is. I think as I'm aging, <laughs> perhaps I'm fearing my own uh, demise and my own, uh, <laughs> I'm realizing my own mortality, that I, I'm trying to keep everything else alive. So for the longest time, spiders to me were... My whole theory was if they're too fast for their own good, then they got to go. <laughs> love them in the garden, love them outside. They're very beneficial. They have no place in uh, my living space. Well, so All deals are off if the spider is hairy, though. I should say that. <laughs> and I'm doing it. If they're fast, <laughs> yeah, there's just no... Uh, you just can't go to sleep with that. Knowing no, things no. Yeah, somewhere. You got a point. Maybe, may, uh, maybe I shouldn't say these things anymore. They're dead now. <laughs> if you can catch them... Great. By the way, best best purchase ever made. This thing called the Bugzooka. It literally is. It, it's like a spring spring mechanism. So you, you you lock it in with the spring, and then you push the trigger, and it actually sucks in the insect. You have to get very close to it. It sucks in the insect. It's this like little capsule. And then you can remove the capsule from the top, bring it outside, and just release it. I do it all the time. It's great. Very nice, Chris. Very nice. That way, you don't have to get your hands on it potentially ends up crawling on you, then it's all bets are off. <laughs> My other theory regarding the fish was that that was a natural phenomenon. Now, I couldn't tell you there, there, there is a potential that it had something to do with fluctuations in temperature, but there also apparently was a possibility that because that stretch of river apparently gets very populated with drumfish, that it was survival of the fittest and um, resources were low because of the competition. We don't know that there was a, a toxic cause, and I feel like for someone to be throwing in explosives, you know, it says that the, the river is densely populated with drumfish, so who knows, maybe only a few explosives would have been enough to kill 83,000, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But to me, it seems like it would be very hard to get away with without someone noticing or hearing that kind of uh, activity. So I think the fish died from natural causes, and that the birds died 
from a disturbance. All right. So basically, you're saying it was the survival of the fishest. <laughs> How the fuck did I not come up with that one? Jesus. I like it, Chris. I, I think we're on to something with this. Oh, but so let's get the hell out of here. I mean, I... I I went into this recording at 220 pounds. I just hopped on the scale. I am officially 165 after sweating everything out. So let's get, let's give the rundown and get the hell out of here. Whoa! No! 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 Big boy, that's not gonna fly even in the heat. Hit that high note. You want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at BDCBOD2020 at gmail.com, or you can get in touch with or you can get in touch with me at uh, Instagram at the Between the Cracks Podcast. Uh, what else? If you would like to become one of our lovely patrons, and we would love for you to join our little group here. We have an amazing group of people, and we interact all the time. Our Patreons and everybody else can rest assured, <laughs> if that's what indeed they want, we will be releasing episodes again weekly, and we are happy to be doing so because our schedules have finally lightened up. But yes, if you do want to become one of our Patreons, you can uh, find a link to that in the show notes. And uh, as I said last week, we were veering away from Teespring, but we're still open for business there. So if you want to get any BTC merch, you can uh, click on that link in the show notes too. And uh, hopefully I'll get around to releasing this shit on a new website soon. But uh, until then, (laughs) Teespring is uh, what we got. I guess that's it, Chris. Right? So uh, why don't we flap our wings and uh, say goodbye to all the good, good people in podcast land for this week and wish everyone the fondest oh a farewells <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, alright bro thanks man alright man. All right, perfect alright All right, later, later.